Welcome to Common Home Conversations Pathway to 2022, a series by the Planetary Podcast, part of the Civil Society Celebration and Declaration for Stockholm Plus 50, a half century later after the historic 1972 UN Conference on the Human Environment. In Common Home Conversations, you will hear high-level political and public figures, academics, and influential activists discuss what should be the content of the high-level declaration foreseen for 2022. Our planet faces a myriad of catastrophic environmental challenges, from climate change to widespread biodiversity loss to desertification. The science is clear. The state of our global environment is deteriorating at an unprecedented rate, highlighting the need for fundamental transformative changes across our legal, economic, social, political, and technological spheres. Thus, there is an urgent need to reach a common ground within civil society and around it build a civil society declaration with the potential to be the needed starting point for a paradigm shift towards a safe and sustainable future for our global community. Common Home Conversations is the place to discuss the challenges posed by climate change, as well as possible solutions to help create a stabilized Earth and ensure that the Civil Society 2022 Declaration can be a true game-changer. Now, here is your host, founder, and CEO of the Planetary Press, Kimberly White. Hello, and welcome to Common Home Conversations. Today, we're joined by Helena Lindemark, founder of the 2022 Initiative Foundation. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Delighted to be here. Can you tell us more about your work at Sustainable Development Sweden and the 2022 Initiative Foundation? Absolutely. I'll be glad to. Well, Sustainable Development Sweden is a company that I started in 2014, and it's based on the fact that Sweden is many times seen as a role model within sustainability. And that's something that I realized when I was working internationally with sustainable development, with trainings in particular. When I decided to work more in Sweden, I thought Sweden as a role model could be a good thing to speed up sustainability both in Sweden and internationally. With that name and that purpose, there was a need for a bigger project. And when I started to look for this project, I found Rachel Carson's book, Silent Spring, over in my parents' house. And uh, that is a book that I had been talking about in trainings since the mid-90s, but I had never read it. But when I really found it in physical form and read it, I realized, oh my goodness, this book is actually from 1962. And we're actually approaching this silent spring now. Then this was back in 2014. I started to work with this in 1991 when I was at the United Nations in Bolivia. And thanks to the Rio conference in 92, I got into these issues. And uh, I started to think, what happened in between 62 and 1992? And I realized that one of the main reasons why Sweden is seen as a role model is because we took the initiative and arranged the first UN Conference on Sustainable Development, the Stockholm Conference or the United Nations Conference on the Human Environment in 1972. And I realized, okay, so in 2022, it will actually be 50 years since that conference. And we have a lot of solutions, so we should be able to make it until 2022, or at least we should be able to come far. So I started to interview people who were involved in arranging this conference back in 72 and realized that this was very much a game changer and very much of a pioneer within sustainability. And then in 2015, we had the agreements on the Sustainable Development Goals in the 23rd Agenda and the Climate Agreement. And that way, 2022 is not only 
50-year anniversary since the Stockholm Conference and the formation of the UN Environment Programme, but it's also approximately halfway to 2030 since both those important agreements. So then we gathered a group, actually quite international group, to talk about that, how we could actually speed up sustainability, including a short-term perspective also, because we talk about long-term goals all the time, 2030 and 2050 and so on when it comes to climate change. But today's leaders, I mean, the ones that that decided on the Paris Agreement, for example, they will not be in charge, not even in 2030, most probably. And to get action from today's leaders, we need a shorter perspective. So we need milestones on the way, not just 169 targets to define what the SDGs are about, but milestones and uh, a midterm sort of assessment to speed up sustainability and to get action now. So I started to talk to ministers in Sweden already in January 2016 about this opportunity. And we set up our first website for the 2022 initiative in September 2015, when um, the SDGs were decided upon. Well, the answer that I got actually from the minister back then, the Minister of Environment in Sweden, was that, yeah, it's a great idea and very interesting, but 2022 is too far away for me. And I said, what? Don't you need to think uh, a bit long term when it comes to environment and sustainability? Uh, yes, she said, but it's after the mandate period, so it's not on my table. You need to talk to the minister for the future. We used to have a minister for the future in 2016. So we managed to get a meeting with the head of the secretariat, and uh, they liked the idea very much, but unfortunately, the uh, government was changed two weeks later. So uh, this idea about this 2022 initiative never actually was presented to the minister for the future. But we continued working, and in 2017, we formed the 2022 Initiative Foundation, because one of the suggestions that we have with the Ministry for the Future was that as a small startup company, it would be difficult to be involved in working with a UN conference. So therefore, we set up a foundation in 2017. And uh, then also as a foundation, it was a lot easier to work with, uh, for example, the government, but also with academia. So uh, we were actually part of sort of a consultation that they had in Sweden when when there was a delegation who uh, developed a suggestion of a plan for Sweden's work with the 2030 Agenda. Well, we delivered an answer to this. And in that answer, we had further developed our proposal so that we proposed to have a Stockholm Plus 50 conference in 2022 that would be like a celebration of the 50-year anniversary and the formation of, of GNF as well, and also to speed up sustainability and set up milestones to get action for 2022 and beyond. So that is actually in a proposal on the Swedish government's website since 2019. And uh, we also had meetings with the the Secretary of State to the Swedish Prime Minister and the Swedish Vice Prime Minister in June 2019. And they liked the idea. And uh, in the end of November 2019, they decided that they want to host the UN conference. And uh, now finally, it's uh, decided that there will be a UN conference in Stockholm in June 2022. In 1972, Olaf Palma, the Prime Minister of Sweden, initiated the United Nations Conference on the Human Environment in Stockholm, the first international conference on environmental issues. His speech at the conference was remarkable. He said, What is asked of us is not to relinquish our national sovereignty, but to use it to further the common good. He envisioned an international regulatory system to limit our destruction of nature and safeguard our common property and address our intergenerational responsibilities. 
His visionary speech is still completely up to date and with a line of action that is still unfortunately not fulfilled today. How can Stockholm Plus 50 honor his legacy? That's a big question uh, and a very important one (laughs) because there are a lot of things to do in that speech. I mean, as you say, that speech could be held more or less as it is today. You just need to add a little bit of 2030 agenda and the SDGs and maybe a little bit of Paris Agreement and you're done. It's amazing that already in 1972, he could give that kind of a speech. Olof Palme, he really wanted to change the world. And he saw the linkages between population growth, poverty, pollution, and all those things, and that we need to change the way we're living. He was brave, and he stood up for the poor and even dared to criticize the U.S. That was quite a big thing back then. So this conference was very much focusing on peace as well. Actually, four peace, population, poverty, pollution, and peace. So those are very important parts of uh, this speech and the legacy. And uh, we really need to do what he said. I mean, 50 years later, it's terrible that we haven't got further. And um, today, with the pandemic, we're seeing a lot of more poverty around the world. I mean, we have the 2030 Agenda, but we're lagging behind and uh, we just need to change our relationship to nature as well, as he was talking about, and see how these things are interconnected. He also mentioned that we need to start talking about ecocide. And now even the Pope and uh, the Secretary General of the United Nations are talking about that we need a legislation to stop ecocide. So just hopefully we will have something related to that in the Stockholm Plus 50 conference. And another thing that I think could be done or should be done to honor his legacy, and that's uh, to do documentaries. I've tried to bring that up in different situations, but haven't been able to get the funding for it yet. But there are a few people still alive who are actually very active on a high level in that conference in Stockholm in 1972 that could tell a lot about how it was back then and what happened. There are a few persons who we could do documentary with who could tell a lot about how this speech was developed because it is actually incredible. I listen to it now and then and uh, realize that it's actually still very, very relevant and uh, exactly what we need to do. Now, finally, we have the Sustainable Development Goals and the 23rd Agenda. We have a Paris Agreement for the climate. I mean, the climate was not really on the agenda at the time, but we were approaching that situation very rapidly. Now we need to speed up. Already in 1972, they were saying that we needed to speed up and to get into action now. Now we are in this future scenario that I was talking about. I've been teaching about this since the mid-90s. We need to realize that we are part of nature and to get a life worth living for future generations. We need to realize that we need to find ways to live in harmony with nature. And that is actually something that Olaf Palme was talking about already back in 1972. Absolutely. Humankind depends on nature for everything, even our survival. For example, human encroachment into natural spaces impacts not only environmental health, but also human health. The vast majority of new emerging and infectious diseases are zoonotic in origin, and many of which can be linked to environmental degradation and biodiversity loss associated with the human disturbance of ecosystems. We're completely interconnected. And I have to say, I would love to see a documentary covering his speech. It's pretty astounding to read through it even now, 50 years later. 
he was truly ahead of his time, or maybe it's us who are severely lagging behind. Exactly. We need to realize that we are interconnected. Our well-being and the well-being of the planet is definitely interconnected, and not just the planet. I mean, the whole biodiversity, wildlife. We cannot just take and extract nature and um, see it as something that we can just use for our own purposes, just for greed. We just need to change that thinking. We've been thinking way too long that we can just extract and uh, just use nature for our own purposes, but uh, nature hits back. The planet will survive, but we won't. We might be red-listed. Exactly. We are destroying what is most valuable to us, our common home, and not taking the action that we need to take to solve the environmental crises we're facing. And you're right, nature does hit back. We have witnessed that this year with the floods happening throughout Europe and Asia, the fires in Siberia and the Pacific Northwest, and so on. We've known this for decades that it would happen. Now we're in this future uh, that researchers have been talking about. We have to just face the facts and uh, deal with it. Actually, I was moving apartment a couple of months ago, and uh, I found these, uh, you know, overhead slides that I had bought from the Swedish Environment Protection Agency. This was very interesting because they were from 1995, and they were talking about a scenario of the future in Sweden, 2020, and that we would be seeing more extreme weather events. There would be drought and uh, fires, potentially. Also, there might be flooding. So, yeah, they were right. Unfortunately, we didn't act fast enough to stop things. But uh, hopefully, these things happening now can uh, make us do that. Yeah, I think it's a wake-up call for a lot of people. Maybe we just need to realize it. I mean, just hearing it and uh, from scientists and so on, maybe it's not enough. Maybe we just need to experience it for ourselves or see people in other parts close to us experience these things to understand that it's actually happening and that it's a fact. I think when we've talked about climate change in the past, especially in places such as the United States, it was something that was happening in some far off place, thousands of miles away. It wasn't something that was happening to us. Not yet anyways. Now it is something that is happening here and it's happening right now and it's going to continue to happen at a much faster rate. And unfortunately, some people won't realize the seriousness of this issue until they have to experience it themselves. But we need to keep working towards concrete action now and not wait until it's too late. Yeah, and I do hope that what's happening in relation to the pandemic can help us to realize this as well. Definitely. As terrible as COVID has been, it has also given us an opportunity to rethink what we're doing and rethink our relationship with nature. Now, it has been said that we're not going to solve the climate crisis without also solving the inequalities that members of our global community face. Conferences such as the Conference of the Parties, the UN High-Level Political Forum on Sustainable Development, etc. sometimes find themselves criticized for their lack of inclusiveness. The overall goal of Agenda 2030 is to leave no one behind. How can these conferences become more accessible to ensure that all actors have an opportunity to participate in a meaningful way and that no one gets left behind. As it is now, we have the pandemic in, uh, in June next year. It might be the first occasion when most countries can at least have a few delegates in Stockholm. As it is now, most of these high-level meetings are digital. And it was very clear when I was part of the Swedish delegation at the high-level political forum that in some countries, uh, the poorer countries, of course, they don't have internet 
access to the extent that is needed to be part of this conference. They were thrown out once in a while because they lost internet connection. And that's terrible. And actually, there were some of the targets of the SDGs uh, that are prioritized. They were supposed to be reached by 2020, but none of them actually were reached by then. And one of those targets is target 9C, which is universal access to information and communications technology. So that is something that we definitely need to speed up to get everyone involved, leaving no one behind at UNIA, the Stockholm Plus 50 conference, and even at the COP26 conference coming up soon. We are getting vaccination programs and so on in Europe and the US and so on, but there are many, many countries in Africa and Latin America and Asia that don't have that possibility. And then they will have to participate in um, digital form. A lot of countries, in, especially in Africa, don't have these digital solutions or the technology needed. And so that is definitely something that we need to solve before that in order to include everyone. Absolutely. It's evident that we need to accelerate our ambition in order for the world to achieve the sustainable development goals. However, it's important that we don't work on them in silos. We need to make sure our solutions do not exacerbate existing environmental or social challenges facing our global community. We need to solve this together. We're in this together and we need to solve it together. And that's something that even Olaf Palme said in 1972. So what we're doing in the Twenty Twenty Initiative Foundation is that we arrange dialogue meetings where we always include speakers and stakeholders from the public sector, civil society, from academia and from business and also youth as key actors because it's their future that we're talking about and that we need to solve. And to also include children and youth in these dialogues is very important in Stockholm Plus 50 and so on and in the work ahead towards Stockholm Plus 50 because most of the things that we need to address and to get action on needs to be done before June 2022. At that time, we will only have like two days of conference, but most of the work will have to be done before. So we definitely need to speed up now the preparations for this. It's important to ensure that everyone has a seat at the table, and I think the Stockholm Plus 49 Summit in October is going to provide a good opportunity for people to learn more about the declaration and also discuss what they think should be in it. That's very important. I'm very much looking forward to October. Hopefully we can agree on something. There are some things that definitely need to be included, or that I would like to see included. And one of those things is that we need a systems change. Our current economic system is not sustainable and it's uh, more focusing on leaving behind than inclusion and it doesn't realize that we are part of nature. We need to sort of rethink our relationship to nature and uh, realize how can we actually live in harmony with nature. This question of uh, ecocide, to see some form of legislation, would be quite good to have at least 50 years after with some form of decision in relation to ecocide since Olaf Palme mentioned it already in 1972. And um, this part about milestones, I think also it's very important to include at the Stockholm Plus 49 Summit. There is work going on on uh, science-based targets for, uh, in particular, the uh, environment-related and sustainable development goals. Those science-based targets are mainly focusing on uh, business and uh, to some extent on cities. To reach the SDGs by 2030, we need to have milestones on the way. Ideally, at least milestones that are set 
So we're not standing there in 2028 asking for those exponential solutions to reach the SDGs by 2030 that we just don't have. So I do hope that we will be able to celebrate with everybody the 3rd of June that we have come far and that we are on our way to reach the SDGs and to solve the climate crisis. Sweden seems to be in the lead when it comes to sustainability, but that is on an average. When it comes to SDGs that are related to environment, for example, climate, we are lagging behind and we have a lot of things to do. Also, uh, SDG number 12 on sustainable consumption and production is one of our most tricky ones that we need to work on. But one thing that I would love to see from Sweden is that we set, maybe not in October uh, at the Stockholm Plus 49 Summit, but before the Stockholm Plus 50 conference, I would love to see Sweden to set a clear climate plan that would uh, make us comply with the Paris Agreement, because our current plan doesn't even come close to that. I think that's a hope a lot of people around the world share, especially as their governments bring forth new targets with the upcoming COP conference in Glasgow. The time for action is now. And you know, I'm very optimistic about the Stockholm Plus 49 and Stockholm Plus 50 conferences. This is a great opportunity for civil society and world leaders to come together and take real concrete action and steer us in the right direction to stabilize our planet and protect our common home. Exactly. This is really a unique opportunity and uh, Stockholm Plus 49 is perfect in timing to really accelerate action because Stockholm Plus 50 and also UNIF at 50, we need to see that they are mutually reinforcing. This is a unique opportunity to actually connect history since 1972 or even 62 to today and um, to see too that we create the future we want. Absolutely. Thank you, Helena. All right, and there you have it. We are destroying what is most valuable to us, our common home. We need to recognize that our well-being and the well-being of the planet are interconnected. We must heed the words Swedish Prime Minister Olaf Palma spoke at the historic 1972 Stockholm Conference. We cannot continue seeing nature as something we can just take from solely for our own purpose. Nature will hit back. It is time we rethink our relationship with nature or risk being redlisted. That is all for today, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Common Home Conversations Pathway to 2022. Please subscribe, share, and be sure to tune in on September 8th to continue the conversation with our special guest, Jojo Meta, co-founder and executive director of Stop Ecocide International. And visit us at www.theplanetarypress.com for more episodes and the latest news in sustainability, climate change, and the environment.